In a world where coaches are still the main characters, the players are now legally chasing the ultimate bag, and the game of basketball is always the top priority, there is only one brand you can trust to help you wade through all the madness. Hey, I'm Tate Frazier from One Shining Podcast, and you can join me twice a week as we navigate the always entertaining world of college basketball. Every Monday, the Ringer's Kyle Man helps me make sense of the biggest stories from the weekend. And on Fridays, we talk to our many friends of the program. We're locked in on the best postseason in sports. Make sure you follow One Shining Podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me on this Tuesday morning from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Blizzarian, Kevin How are you doing, man? How's your Tuesday morning? It's good. I will tell you about the horrible basketball game I went to very briefly in a moment, but the big <laughs> news from last night was the Knicks stole one against the lowly Detroit Pistons, and we got one of the best coaching rants of the season about a one-minute to minute-and-a-half monologue from Monty Williams in which he called it an abomination and the worst call of the year in the NBA. Um you do feel bad for Monty Williams and the Pistons. Uh, Knicks get one back after they felt like one was stolen from them that we chronicled in Houston a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but that seemed to be the biggest news on the timeline last night was that a free-for-all at the very end of the game ended with a Josh Hart and one and the Knicks stealing one against the Detroit Pistons. and so. The miserable season for the Pistons has another moment for the DVD and the Knicks, I don't think, can now spend a tremendous amount of time complaining about that one where the Brunson call was made 
in Houston because they got that one back. And then afterwards, the refs did say, like it's any consolation, yeah, we did screw that up. You had like Dante DiVincenzo, Troy Palamalu into the guy. <laughs> Definitely. It, it, it was it was a, a wrong no call. It should have been a foul call on DiVincenzo. With that said, I can understand what the ref saw in the moment because with the baseline camera view of that play, it didn't look like Thompson had full control of the ball. It looked like he kind of lost his handle. And even though even Pedro did like get into the knees, he polymoled, as you said, it did feel like a loose ball from that angle. And he and Devin Chenjo did get contact with the ball first. So I get it from that angle. It should have been a call. Um, but I think in like the heat of the action in the moment, it did feel like he did lose control of the ball. And and maybe he did. And maybe if, you know, Dante made a cleaner strip of the ball it wouldn't we this wouldn't be a whole thing it would have just been you know a sloppy turnover by osar at the end of the game monty williams is a good guy nice guy done a bad job with the pistons certainly this year let me just say when you get railroaded at the end of a game you gotta know that you're up against darko in toronto for the best rant of the year And while I do think that abomination is an unbelievable word to use in that moment, like the standard has already been set. Like he has set the bar for my team get screwed, routinely get screwed, and enough is enough, right? Because we had the Darko one where he was doing the, they had the win tonight. That's the case. Then just let us know, and we won't show up for the game. And then he went on to do, you know, <laughs> how to play the game, how to play the game, right? And then he, he went a little far with the Scotty Barnes face of the league and all that, whatever. But you know that the bar's up there. And Darko had defeated, there was one earlier in the season where Taylor Jenkins said effing atrocious, and he got a huge fine uh, when he was talking about the refs. But Monty Williams, I think he got in the top five of the best uh, coaches' outbursts after the game. But certainly, the bar, you know, that was said earlier in the year with uh, Darko, and no one has surpassed it yet. So I was a little disappointed. Nah. If you know that that's the one, then you got it. This is your moment. I mean, shit, your team's got nine wins. Why not? You know, and you're gonna and you're going to get fined. You can't expect that from Monty Williams, though. Monty doesn't have that in him. This is this is the first time all year Pistons fans saw him show any heart or enthusiasm <laughs> at all. He is plain Jane boring, and that's all there is to it. This was this was remarkable achievement from him to even show this, to walk oh. off the way he did. And I mean, this I mean, for by his standards, this is incredible. Uh, that's uh, interesting. He should feel proud of himself. So like, this you can't is match Darko. There's no chance. So this is uh Corey Brewer scoring 50 when he was playing for the Timberwolves. You're judging 100% it like... 100% perfect. Oh, perfect. interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's a perfect way to put it. You Perfect way to put it. Corey Brewer dropping 50. That's what this is. Yeah. And so you got to give it to Monty Williams. I'm not in the business of comparing. He did a, a good job. I don't agree with everything he said, but he's the head coach. He's got to say it. Um, you know, good job, Monty Williams. You know, I good mean, on you. worst call of the year is strong. Right? Because there's been a lot of bad calls. Worst call of the year. But not true. You know, 
if Monty really, if, that's not exactly true, though. I mean, it's, it's definitely false. Not the worst call of the year. Osar should have grabbed the ball with two hands and took better care of the ball. He was reckless with the ball, and he was losing it. So, I, I mean, yes, it was a foul because of the contact, but it was a loose ball. So, I mean, it wasn't the worst call of the year. I think I thought Thompson was reckless with the ball more than anything else. Well, and I, I will take issue a little bit with, the word abomination because I'm a little upset. Mm, mm, that's good word, though. Good word. It's a good word. But I'm kind of upset because that was the word I was going to use for the Grizzlies-Nets game that I was at. <laughs> and now I feel like Monty... You are, you, are a, you are a professional at these transitions, Chris. I just feel... I feel, I feel like Monty kind of took the luster <laughs> off of me using... <laughs> what is actually was a real abomination. And that was the yes, basketball game. That I was, in fact, I would petition that if the uh, Department of Homeland Security were to come across those that are engaged in terrorist activity, I would encourage them to throw said terrorist in a room, put on that Grizzlies Nets game, and just press play, and I promise you by the second quarter, they'll be like, all right, I'll talk, I'll talk. Anything you want, please don't make me watch the rest of this. I felt like I was held captive having to watch this mess of a game last night. But I, I look, the only reason I'm bringing it up is because there was a moment where I was watching it, and I was like, you know, I am kind of surprised they suck this bad. Because they've got, like, it's all role players, but they don't have a bunch of guys that you think stink, you know? Like, they should be about average, right? They should be probably about a 500 team. But maybe Jacques Vaughn did a poor job, and obviously they ran him out, and now they've got Kevin Ollie, and they didn't exactly respond to him the first couple of games, but then they saw that they had Memphis on their schedule and just beat them down. But and, and maybe I saw them on the right night because obviously they had scored less than 100 in the games before that, but there was a moment where I was watching it and I'm like, why do they suck this bad? Like, they got some pretty good players. If you were to just line them up, there aren't a bunch of guys that you would take on your team. Just a bad collection, weird collection of a bunch of role guys, not really star. You know, they don't really have the star. Mikel Bridges is miscast as the star. Uh, but, you know, you look at the standings and you see the Trey Young uh, injury, and we'll see. That could that could go one of two ways for Atlanta. Obviously, they had a good performance, and DeJounte Murray was awesome first time out. We're going to pay close attention to that, but you know, maybe because of that injury, and they're sitting at 10, if they falter like a lot, it's not inconceivable that the Nets could actually somehow get into that play-in, which we, we figured by last week when we did the show that the 10 were already solidified, but I don't know. I mean, they, they're not any good, but um, now with the Hawks, who knows, right? And we got to talk about that because that's happened since we last spoke. Sure. Uh, one quick note on your Grizzlies. In, in five games with Memphis, Lamar Stevens, 12.4 points per game on 59% from the field, seven rebounds a game. I'm in one love block. One assist. Oh, man. A 17 points last night, too. What a baller. I don't even want to talk about him because he's an unrestricted free agent. And I don't want somebody to sign him. 
Uh, he, you know, he don't want to boost the no. stock. <laughs> I want him to no. Oh, I, I want to be able to. I want to be able to keep him. That guy comes. I swear to, to God, to, to, he is. We, he's we one should of those tell, guys. But before we, <laughs> before before we talk Lamar Stevens, we have to tell the executives to cover their ears who are listening to our podcast. Stop listening. Don't don't listen, Daryl Morey. Don't listen. I swear, he's one of those guys. They're getting blasted. You know, he comes in. It doesn't even matter if he comes in off the bench or down 25 or he comes in and it's a two-point game. He goes 100 every time he's out on the court. I love guys like this. I do. I love them. No matter. You you got a bunch of guys that are just going through the motions, shooting terrible shots. I mean, And this guy is like playing like it's game seven of the finals. And I'm like, he, don't tell him it's Grizzlies Nets. I love Lamar Stevens. I do. He's made such an impression on me. He's the only thing worth watching. Honestly. Anyways, the, the Nets are miserable. You are right about the Nets, though, Chris. Why are they so bad? I think the Nets being bad speaks to how deep the league is. Maybe so. Because you're right. The Nets have a lot of good players. Nick Claxton, an excellent switch defender. Mikel Bridge is one of the best perimeter defenders in basketball and a very good, you know, second or third option on offense. It's just he's being asked to be the number one. I think they have a lot of good, talented players. Dorian Finney-Smith, great 3 and D guy. Cam yeah, Johnson, it's like like all, up and down the roster. Right. Cam, it's Cam all Thomas, fourth bucket getter. All fourth options. Yes, and so they're just... <laughs> They're lacking the stars that a lot of teams have one or two of. So I think for Brooklyn, that's all that's really missing. They have everything else with the role players. But with, Bro- with Brooklyn, they definitely do have a chance here. They're three games back from Atlanta. Atlanta is going to be without Trey Young for four weeks at least after surgery on his left hand. I think for the Hawks side of things, this could end up being a good thing for them to be without Trey. For the same reasons we talked about back in January when I made the argument to trade Trey instead of DeJounte because if you don't have Trey, now you can increase the value of DeJounte Murray. This season, without Trey Young, he's averaging 25 points per game on 60% true shooting with 7.7 assists. If he does that for the next month straight or the next five or six weeks, however long Trey is out, instead of the numbers that he's been putting up with Trey, 19.8 19.8 points per game on 53.4% true shooting and 4.2 assists per game per 36. Per 36 on those numbers, by the way. Those numbers aren't awesome with Trey, but they are awesome without Trey. That can show other teams, hey, here's the value of DeJounte Murray. That could allow the Hawks to trade him this summer, get a stronger return back, and maybe you can build around Trey. If you do lose some games here, maybe you slip out of the plane, you get higher Lottery odds, maybe you end up moving up into the top four, and that gives you more draft capital for trades to build around Trey Young. And also, you're getting an, an extended look here at Kobe Bufkin. He just had 41 points. Their rookie wing, uh, out of you know, he's had 41 points in the G League recently. Good score. He's got great feel for the game. How does he look next to DeJounte Murray? So I think for the Hawks, they get, over the next four weeks or more, clarity on what the team could look like Without Trey, it gives other teams around the league to get an idea of what these guys look like value-wise. So I think for Atlanta, this is a place to figure out who you are, what you have, and what you want to do this offseason. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they're better. And if they are, doesn't that give you some extreme clarity? Doesn't it? And then you you go, go, hey. Better. Better. What if they are? It's not crazy. 
to think that they could be. You've seen a lot of teams band together. We would have never in a million years thought that Cleveland could play great basketball when they are without Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. But they did. They played great basketball without those guys. And sometimes less is more. And it's like, okay, if like neither of those two guys are role players. And they both are at their best, to your point about those numbers, with the ball in their hands. And so is there a possibility? You know, we've been talking about this trade thing for a long time. And I told you, what was it, three weeks ago? And it did not get much attention. But Kendrick Perkins went on ESPN. It was like, right after the trade deadline, they just need to stay pat. I can't say who it is, but there's a superstar on his way to L.A. And I came on here and talked to you, and I'm like, bro, is he talking about, like, because who else is he talking about? Seriously. Yeah, it's Trey Young. It's Trey. Right. Okay. Well, and you know he's with Clutch now, and so, like, maybe they could, or, and obviously you've got the San Antonio who's got those assets, and you had brought that up before as maybe a pairing. And so it's possible that the return you could get if they play well. Now, again, it's po- It's also possible they go the wrong way. But this is just going to be an unbelievable evaluation. I think you're going to be getting done with this and go, you know what? We could build and keep Murray, and he's cheaper. And it's because you, you can't imagine, no matter what any Hawks fan think, bro, you're not coming into next year with Murray and Young. No, you're not. That's it's not happening. Split up. It will. Yep. Right. It will be split up. So now you have an opportunity to see, okay, what would it look like without Trey? And then with the assets, because you could get by far the bigger return for him. You get mm-hmm. a huge return. Yep. You get a huge return. It's very possible that the the Hawks lose games. Like you said, they could be better, but they could still be losing games, you know, assure that they're not in the play-in or just be in the bubble. and get a higher draft pick and still decide to trade Trey. Like they could still decide to, to trade Trey and keep DeJounte. It's possible. So I think for Atlanta here, this is where that clarity comes in. You get an extended look to find out what you look like without him. And, and I think for Hawks fans, this, this should be a time to be open-minded and look at this team, especially with Kobe Bufkin getting minutes off the bench. He played 14 minutes the other night. I hope he gets way more games playing 20, 25, even 30 minutes. I want to see extended looks at him. I want to see him play next to DeJounte Murray and see how he looks and play with Jalen Johnson. Like I want to see, see two-man action with those guys together. This is a, a time for the Hawks to experiment, for, for Quinn Snyder to find out what this roster really has. And I think for Atlanta fans, you know, be open-minded here because this, this could end up being a blessing in disguise. Well, I think You'd feel differently if your team was any good. <laughs> I mean, you're sitting for you're, sure. Yeah, you're if, in the play you, anyway. Yeah, what the yeah, hell? Yeah. What, if, what the hell does it matter? Yeah, no doubt about it. If you felt if you felt like you were at a chance to win the finals, this isn't the Sixers losing Embiid, right? Right. It's way different. That's right. That's right. So this is going to be an interesting evaluation over the course of the next month. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. Tuesday night in the NBA, we get the Bucks and the Hornets. Milwaukee sure to win this game, but 
plus 14 and a half points for Charlotte, the number one defensive rating in the league ever since the All-Star break. I'm intrigued. I think Hornets with the points, they should be able to cover that. And also, I think if you want to look ahead, it's we're getting their award season now. Wembead's looking like the obvious rookie of the year. Jokic is the MVP favorite. But if you want to look at some of the underdogs right now for MVP, plus 700, Luka, plus 1,500, Giannis, I'm intrigued by those numbers for defensive player of the year. Gobert is a heavy favorite right now. But Wemby at plus 1,600, Anthony Davis at plus 5,000 potential value bets there if their teams close the season stronger, if Gobert were to miss any time at all. And then for sixth man of the year, there's no clear-cut favorite right now. Malik Monk is the favorite at minus 145, but Norm Powell, Nas Reed, Bogdan Bogdanovich, there's a lot of guys that are intriguing bets for sixth man of the year. So for new customers, you could win 150 bucks if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and much more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash mismatch and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit TheRinger.com slash RG. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Other thing that happened last night, there were not many games on the slate. The Kings lost one to Miami. And, you know, I kind of feel like the Kings a little bit like I do the Pelicans, where it's like every time I'm like, I watch them and I get super impressed. Then the next time out, they do something where I'm like, "Uh, what? What's what's your deal? Like, they obviously can play with the best of the best. And but they obviously could get caught as well. And they had won three straight. They beat the Nuggets and the Clippers. And then they get punked out on their home floor against Miami without Jimmy Butler. And I was reading this article this morning by uh, Tristy Rodriguez, who writes for NBC Bay Area. And she was, the article was basically the Kings and Mike Brown, they deny what has happened. But it is an ongoing joke amongst Kings fans that as soon as they see somebody's out for the other team, they're like, oh, now we're going to lose. And so you had Jimmy Butler. He was obviously not playing last night. Uh, Rozier wasn't playing as well as a couple other guys. And no hero either. Well, and she she went through the whole article. She's like, these losses. It's like Boston without Tatum, Minnesota without Towns, the Blazers without Shaden Sharp and DeAndre Ayton, the Hornets ended their 11 game losing streak against them, the Pelicans without Zion, the 76ers without Embiid, the Pacers without Halliburton. The Pistons, without Cunningham and Bogdanovich, who were their two leading scorers. Um, And then they beat the Nuggets, and then they beat the Clippers, and then they turn around, and here's another team that's got somebody out. So they faced a bunch of these teams, even some with good records, that just happened to be without guys and just have not taken advantage of it over and over again. And so it's it's hard to figure out kind of where they are and they're teetering you know one day they're fifth and the next day they're seventh and there's gonna be a bunch of teams fighting tooth and nail not to have to play their way into the playoffs this year and the kings certainly have are are, going to regret not taking advantage of playing a bunch of teams this year that have been without their guys and Hawkes, by the way was awesome in his start i thought the king's heat game showed why Eric Spolstra is such an excellent coach. 
uh, showing how he game plans without some of his stars and also some of the flaws on the Kings side of things. Because in that third quarter, when the Heat built their 20-point lead, they used Hawkes, the size advantage that he had over Malik Monk, over Kevin Herter. They had him posting up. They had him driving against those smaller defenders, getting anywhere he wanted on the floor. They had Kevin Love posting up, looking like vintage K-Love from the post, scoring at will. And throughout the entire game, not just you know the third quarter where they built their lead, Bam Adebayo, I thought, showed off some of his subtle improvements as a scorer, you know, with some good paint touches. He had uh, like a left hook over Harrison Barnes. He had some kind of mid-range pull-ups, isoing against Trey Lyles. He had, you know, drives, face-ups and whatnot um, from the left block. He was showed his versatility, scoring out of pick and rolls, uh, you know, short roll, playmaking, kickouts for threes. Bam had a great full game. And I think for the Heat side of things, this showed how they get the most out of their guys. They don't have Butler. They don't have Rozier. They don't have Hero. So then they get it from others. And I thought that took great game planning and intent from the Heat coaching staff to, to dictate who's going to be the focus of that game plan. And for the Kings side, th- they just don't have size, man. Like They just don't have size at the wings po- wing position. And I thought the Heat did a really good job exploiting that. Some would say that's Heat culture. In fact, they would say it, and they would say it on their jerseys, and they would say it with like on, war on and court. peace, war and peace written out on their court, describing how we're better than you at doing this. <laughs> but it is kind of crazy. They could always just plug and play. If it's not Hamiakas, it's Caleb yeah. Martin, and it's like I mean, you see him without Jimmy Butler, and it's like okay, why is Hamiakas immediately turning into Jimmy Butler in this game? <laughs> it's wild. Plug and play. Dude, and he is so skilled, man. The, some of the shots that he hit, just like these elite touch shots where you feel like you're getting a good contest. He's just too big, you know, too skilled. There's literally nothing you can do about it. He's just going to put the ball in. It's it's like there's not many guys like you look at like Jokic is like that where it's like, damn, man, what more could I have done? Man, he's just got that you, touch. That's what that's what. <laughs> and it is wild, Kevin, because it's like, <laughs> we could go back probably a year. We could probably go back a year and find a podcast where we're talking about Hami Hakez at UCLA. And it's not like he snuck up on anybody. Like Hami Hakez was awesome yeah, in college. Right. He was there for so, years. And he was and, great. And, yeah. And yet people are going to look back and be like, geez, man, should have just taken him. And I, I remember uh, going back through it. And it's like, from 1617 with Dylan Brooks, who was, you know, look, yeah, I have I've had my issues with Dylan Brooks, but Dylan Brooks is gonna make a hundred million dollars playing in the NBA and was a second round pick. He was Pac-12 player of the year, and then DeAndre Ayton, and then Jalen Noel, who I don't believe is on a team right now. He was actually on a 10-day earlier in the year with the Grizzlies, but is a he's an NBA player. Peyton Pritchard, Evan Mobley, Ben Matherin, and then Jame Hawkes. I don't know who'll be. Pac-12 player of the year this year, but it's been a pretty reasonable bet to just take the guy yeah. who was Pac-12 player of the year. It's it's turned out pretty well uh, over the years. Even the year before Brooks. How about this one? Jakob Portal. He still oh, has wow. <laughs> He still got a... I didn't even... I don't remember Jakob Portal playing at Utah at all, but that did happen once upon a time. Anyways, 
Yeah, he's one of those guys where it's like hiding in plain sight. And then when he got drafted, when he did, everybody's like, ooh, that's perfect. Yep. <laughs> They're really, it feels like the like the Ravens or the Steelers, right? You'd be watching like a dra- NFL draft and you'd be like, how the hell did they get Terrell Suggs? Like, this is crazy. Or how did they get, there'd be somebody that dropped and it's like everybody knew the guy is awesome, but somehow the obvious team just took him. And then we were like, yeah, surprise, surprise. And then here we are in his rookie year, and Jaime Jaquez is already good. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's a miss. It's a miss for a lot of teams. I'll tell you one player that won't be Pac-12 player of the year. Uh-oh. Ronnie James. <laughs> oh, no. Leave him alone. Yeah. I'm sorry, did LeBron. Not, did you, you not read say he'd be LeBron's helpful. tweet? <laughs> did you not read his tweet? I know. So, yeah. Is it? Is it? Is it? LeBron. Is, <laughs> I know. Kevin. Kevin is. Kevin is saying, uh, is referencing, ESPN, drop Mo- Bronny James out of the mock draft, out of their 2024 mock draft, and then they put him in the second round of their 2025 mock, one year after having him in the top ten of the 2024 mock. And LeBron reacted, and I look. Mm-hmm. I empathize as a parent. Like the, hey, leave him alone. Because, you know, this, I, I, I get it. When you're a kid, you're probably looking at this. And then everybody's, you know, it's it's big news. It is big news. Yeah, but, it is. But the kid In has been big news. Of, yeah. Yes. Well, because his name's LeBron James Jr.? <laughs> <laughs> That's part of it. And, and, um, because, the other his part, fa- and because yeah. his father talks about him as like, He's already ready for the NBA. He can help a bunch of teams. He could help the Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> LeBron, look, when he dropped out of the mock draft, I'm not trying I'm not trying to jump on him too bad. But when he dropped out of the mock draft, it was leave him alone. But when he was in an earlier mock draft and he was projected to go 17th to Atlanta, LeBron James sent out a message. Looks like the game James gang is headed to Atlanta. Ha ha, you know and was celebrating the mock draft. <laughs> or last year, LeBron oh, tweeted man. out that he was watching league pass and LeBron was better than tons of guys he was watching. So, like, part of the reason that there is all this attention and the reason that it's a story was initiated by LeBron himself, right? So I think that's why a lot of people, when he tweets out, hey, leave him alone, it's not like he was just able to operate in silence or away from the limelight. His dad, who has literally a billion followers, is telling us he's better than half the NBA and is celebrating where he is on mock drafts. And then when he's not on a mock draft, it's like, shut up, leave him alone, let him have his career in peace, earned, not given. It's like, what? What is happening? Am I, this is bizarro world. You think this is why LeBron deleted the post? Oh, he deleted it? He deleted it. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. He deleted it. I did it. not see he deleted it. Mm-hmm. He deleted it. Mm-hmm. Well, because everybody found all the old promoting Bronny stuff. Yep. I mean, look, he, he did. He, promote, he promoted his kid a lot. Yeah, and I don't, I don't fault him for that. That's a proud Me dad. Either. Yeah, he's he's a he's a loving father. But he's you can't good tell everybody to kids. leave him yeah. alone because he wasn't in a mock draft. Yeah, like, for sure. I mean, it, 
<laughs> you know? It's so funny. I, I see on Instagram he also posted that he got his 500th win online in Madden. Congrats to LeBron for that. That's that's an impressive accomplishment. Five hundred wins in Madden, but um, <laughs> you saw you saw LeBron James Jr. You saw Bronny in person. I did over the weekend, right? I was at the USC UCLA game on Saturday. I think it was on Saturday. What kind of environment? I mean, it's a good environment. I, I like is? UCLA games. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, I, yeah. I like the college basketball environments. It's all. I always have a fun time with those games. Fans are always into it. And like even though UCLA is not good this year. Like people around me are like into the game, like living and dying or every single play. Like it's a cool environment. And it's a rivalry. Games. Yeah, it's a rivalry game too. It was great. Yeah, it was a, it was a good competitive game for the most part. Um, you know, on the UCLA side, there's, you know, a lot of disappointments. Like uh, Adai Mata, their, their seven foot Spanish center, he was a guy I had in the top 10 entering the season, as did a lot of people. He looks undraftable right now. Ooh. He looks so soft. Doesn't set strong screens. Looks like he lumbers around the floor, just lollygags, you know, in transition. He does not look anywhere near ready. He's still got some touch scoring. Like, he hasn't really had, he's not in an offense to show off his playmaking skill as a center, which is what I liked most about him playing uh, in Spain. So we'll see if he, he could still turn into something, but he should not. He should not declare for the draft. He should probably transfer away from UCLA, maybe even go back, you know, somewhere overseas, a team that better suits his skill set. Um, and on the, you know, on the USC side of things, you know, Bronny, we'll talk about him first. You know, a forgettable game, which most of them have been for him. He's just, he's competitive defensively. He's definitely got a high basketball IQ. Um, I think with Bronny, the thing that, the reason why I was always skeptical about him as an actual NBA draft prospect is the jumper. I know you watch the highlights. The jumper looks good. It looks smooth. It looks perfect. But in high school, he shot around 30% from three. He shot around 65% from the free throw line. He's putting up sub 30% from three numbers at USC, sub 70% from the free throw line. So he just might not have touch. And if, if a six foot one guard, and he's definitely not his listed six foot four height, by the way, if a six one, six two guard doesn't have a knockdown jumper and they're not a lead playmaker, like it's it's a hard path to get to the league if your name isn't LeBron James Jr. So I think for him, he's kind of on a a Davion Mitchell trajectory where it's like maybe as a junior. As an upperclassman, you you figure out your jumper and you have a hot shoot, shooting season and you turn yourself into a prospect because of your defense and your secondary creation, your high IQ, your hustle, your heart, and your shooting. But he needs to have that year as a shooter. And by the way, Davion Mitchell has not been able to carve out a role in the Kings because his jumper has proven to be an outlier that final season he played at Baylor. So I think for Bronny, He's got to figure out the jumper in order to be a player, but he's got the defensive ability. It's it's like a shame you couldn't combine him with Isaiah Collier. Isaiah Collier is the guy that people project potentially in, into the lottery this year at USC. He's a, a 6'2", 6'3", guard, you know, strong body. He kind of looks like tank. a football player. He's very shift. Yeah, he's a tank. He's very shifty athletically, you know, downhill burst getting to the basket. He's a very exciting player to watch. Um, if you could kind of, you know, take some of that and, and also, you know, improve his basketball IQ, you'd have a clear top five pick. But with Collier, he's sloppy with decision making. 
You know, he had some passes, you know, driving the basket where he just threw it out of bounds. Uh, the jumper is not that good for him either. He's, a, again, like a not a reliable shooter, not a reliable outside threat. He doesn't have great size. I like the fact he communicates. He talks with his teammates a lot. He's clearly a director out there. He's, he's trying to be a leader, trying to be a point guard. That's all encouraging. But I think he just, more than anything else, needs to improve his passing vision, his passing accuracy. And then hopefully over the course of time, the jumper becomes reliable. Um, but I don't, I don't love him either. I didn't love any of the prospects. I do think Collier's too low. I just draft him so? on talent. Yeah, it's it's you yeah, know what you, I don't know. Man. You know who it's a little reminiscent of? It's a little reminiscent to me of a guy that I liked who is who's going to have a long NBA career, but never be like an NBA All Star. Cole Anthony, same kind of deal. Yeah, amazing I, high I, school player, Cole very Anthony? highly ranked, but did not have a good college year. How high do I want to take Cole Anthony though? There's a lot of players in this draft. Like, look, this draft, I forget if we talked about this. I think I said this on Bill's pod. It's not, it's weak for clear-cut stars. It's actually quite strong for good role players. And it's actually really deep for good role players. Like, really deep. There's a lot of guys that you could look at. And, and like, if you're a, a good team already, if you're, if you're the Oklahoma City Thunder with multiple picks as, as an example, if you're the Miami Heat drafting in the middle of the first round, if you're, if you're, you know, even the Grizzlies, you know, you got John Morant coming back, you got Desmond Bain, you got Jaron Jackson Jr., you can find a guy that fits what your roster is missing. That's what this draft provides. I got it's you, a draft look, to build. And, and my point is, my point is, is with Isaiah Collier, for certain, like I think there's certain teams you're willing to take a swing. Like, okay, at the worst, we get a Cole Anthony type of energizer. At the best, maybe he right. pans into something really good. I Like, that's, for certain teams, I think that's the case. But there's a lot of teams where I wouldn't make that argument. I wouldn't make that for, for like, your team, Memphis. I wouldn't make it for Houston, where you already have a lot of initiators. I wouldn't make it for Oklahoma City, where you already get SGA and Giddy and a bunch of guys who can handle the ball. I wouldn't make it for Portland when you just drafted Scoot Henderson. I wouldn't make it for a lot of teams. That that to look for that type of guy. So that's where I'm like, hmm, maybe he ends up in the middle of the first round instead of, you know, in the top five, top seven. You say that, but I mean, you can, I mean, it wouldn't have been necessarily the fit to take G.G. Jackson either. And again, another guy who yeah, was... Yeah, but he was, a, played, he was a second round pick. I got you. That's when you take played, swings, Chris, in the second round. What I'm saying is, most of these guys at the top, I'm not all that impressed with. So I would take the body of work prior to the one year in college as evidence that, hey, we lined all these guys up for the last 20 years. And everybody said this guy was the best one. Or one of the three best. And I, I think he'll be in the NBA for over 10 years. So if I know that for sure, I don't think that it is crazy. You know, I don't think the ceiling, nobody's got this like crazy, uh, obvious all NBA ceiling from this. So give me the guy that's going to be around for a long time, because I do think the guy is going to be a professional basketball player in the NBA for a very long time. How much Kentucky have you watched this year? Because I'm curious about your Reed Shepard and Rob Dillingham takes. Love them both. Yeah, they're fun, right? Yes. In their own yes. respective ways. Yes. I mean, Dillingham 
that last game that he had last weekend, the 23-point game, I think it was in a loss, in fact. Uh, it was, yeah. Very Malik-esque. He was, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? Like that, I mean, man, talent-wise, yeah. he is, he can go. He's a bucket. And He's yeah, bucket. he really is. And I saw Monk play in college when he was on the Fox team. I actually went to the game uh, that they got beat by Luke May at the buzzer. That was in Memphis. Uh, but I uh, I like Dillingham for sure. I think he's super talented. And I really do like Reed Shepard. And I like that Shepard does some defensive stuff too. I just think that, look, I covered John Calipari for a long time. And I saw this year he's got like 700,000 NBA players. Now, you're going to be able to find a couple of them, Tyler Ulyss and Daniel Orton, and there'll be ones here and there that didn't make it or didn't have NBA careers, right? But there's a whole lot more that were better in the NBA than they were there, not the least of which is your guy, Devin Booker. And Mm -hmm. I think you just take Kentucky guards and you could just close your eyes and draft them, and you probably hit it. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, seriously. Like, even Emmanuel quickly, Like, just Jamal within Murray. a huge trade. Yeah, Jamal Murray. I mean, you could go on and on and on. Shea mm-hmm. Gilgis Alexander, on and on. And, like, you know, yeah. and, and there are going to be a lot of them. A lot of them. Tyrese Maxey. There's a bunch of, like, <laughs> awesome Kentucky guards. It's endless. It's it really endless. Is endless. So, how about Kason Wallace? <laughs> yeah, Kason Wallace. I don't even have to overthink De'Aaron this. Fox. Uh, yes. So, how many of them? Like, and you're going to be able to bring up a couple of them: the Harrison twins and Ulysses and a couple others. But generally, oh, the, the Harrison twins. What a throwback! <laughs> they, they, but generally, <laughs> you're going to be able to just who started for Kentucky. Okay, I'll take them. And you're probably going to have a guy with like a long NBA career. Does it? Does it? Mm-hmm. Hell, we just talked about Fox and Monk. They're both in Sacramento. They were on the team together with Bam Adebayo, by the way, mm-hmm. and others. But there's a, there's a bunch of them over the years. And so I would kind of look at it and go, all right, I'll just close my eyes and take them. And and how many of those guys have gone later? Look, Booker didn't go in the top 10. Uh, Gilgis Alexander didn't go in the top 10. Maxie didn't go in the top 10. Uh, Monk did. Fox did, for he sure. He did. Uh, Fox did. Monk uh, well, I did. I think did. I think, he, I think, I think he was either 7 or 11 is the number I okay. have in my head. So, so he did. But yeah, quickly, late. Late. Monk was 11th. To the Hornets. Okay. 11. Okay, so not okay. top 10. Even quickly, late. Yep. Um, there's a bunch of them. So, yeah. Whatever I think about any Kentucky guys, Tyler Hero, late. Mm-hmm. I mean, at post, I'm saying, low, none Out of them the got drafted. Literally, none of them got drafted where they should have. None of them. Yeah. Yeah, even almost Fox. all those guys we listed. All of them even, go higher in a redraft. All even F- even Fox should have gone yes. before uh, uh-huh. Lonzo. Lonzo. Yeah. yeah, and before Fultz, of course. Gilgis Alexander goes like one, probably right. <laughs> like if you're mm-hmm. redrafting, 
Yeah. So you asked me about Rob Dillingham. It's not even about Rob Dillingham. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I tell you. How many times do I have to see this? Mm -hmm. How many times does that have to happen? Because I just named off like guys that are like award-winning and or all-star level players. Guys that are like six man of the year or, in fact, three of those. Monk, Quickly, Hero have all been in our six man of the year conversation for the last three seasons. (laughs) And or won the damn award. And it's like, Maxie, I mean, obviously he was, unfortunately, a six man under Doc Rivers for a minute, but um, another one. And none of them get drafted. So I don't know. You like him? I love them both. I just close my eyes and yeah. draft his ass. Yeah. Uh, I, I, lo- I like Dillingham. Dillingham's progress this year, I hope it, it sustains moving forward in the NBA. He was more of like a, you know, a me first player. At, at prior levels, he went to, you know, Kanye's Donda Academy and then he played for the overtime elite and he was more of a, a selfish decision maker on the court. But his playmaking has improved. He's putting in more effort on defense on top of the scoring that he's showing. So I hope this is like sustainable for him moving forward. And then with Reed Shepard, I mean, the dude's shooting 50% from three and he is like a high IQ decision maker on the floor and like his defense i have never seen a guy so small make such an impact in the way that he does he's six feet tall and he gets five steals a game three blocks a game Uh, it's every night that he's putting up huge numbers on defense he's just everywhere on the floor he has incredible hand-eye coordination anticipation skills he knows how to read the defense. He knows what de- uh, uh, he knows is how to read the offense. He knows what offenses are going to be doing. His defense is absurd. So even though he's smaller and and even though he'll get overpowered sometimes by bigger, stronger players, the defensive impact to me is like pretty clear that this guy's going to be a menace on ball and off ball at the next level. And if you put him in the right situation, like if you put him on Oklahoma City. Or you put him on San Antonio where there's size and rim protection, or you even put him, you know, on a team like Memphis with Jaron Jackson Jr. inside. Like if there's rim protection to pair with him, like I think that pick and roll defense could be absolutely outstanding. And and by the way, the the real stat is 0.7 blocks per game, 2.7 steals per game. I'm exaggerating with those numbers, but he has had plenty of games where he's racking up blocks and steals at like an outrageous level. Yeah. Uh I think I think you're pretty safe just taking Kentucky guys, even if they are having another disappointing season. Yeah, the the tough eval will be Justin Edwards this year. Justin yeah. Edwards has had a really terrible season, aside from his lone game against Alabama, where he had 28 points on 10 of 10 shooting. But he was a a lottery prospect entering the year. Um, some people projected him as, as number one. I had him, I think, at like nine, number nine back in August. So I wasn't quite as high as a lot of draft evaluators, uh, draft evaluators out there. But you know, he still has talent, and like he showed that talent against Bama. And hopefully, he has more good games moving forward because you know he's six eight, got size. He's a you know smooth shot creator. He's just gonna find a way to get those shots to fall, and hopefully, he continues that. And he's again one of those types of guys you're talking about. Worth a worth a gamble. He's a Kentucky player. You know, it's tough to get all the touches and minutes and developmental opportunities there. Maybe he ends up panning out in the NBA. He's worth a swing for damn sure. 
Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Man, we got to start using Apple Cash. All right. Why? It's so easy and convenient. Apple Cash lives in messages. Okay. So I can pay you in convos we're already having. Not forget a payment or have the money sitting somewhere just collecting dust. Hmm. That's actually kind of nice. And then you can use that cash right away and buy stuff at, like, a store with Apple Pay. Oh, so I don't have to do all the bank transfer stuff. Nope. It's just right there. It's easy, convenient, and secure. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? See how easy that was? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. We got to talk about NBA players and seeing them in person. Uh, Bill and Ryan recorded a podcast, and one of their topics was about seeing NBA players in person. As you know, I go to whatever it is, 41 plus the preseason. What do you think about their lists? Any, any big disagreements or missing players? Did they, did they, the, ja wasn't mentioned, right? I know he doesn't well, he's no, not playing he's, right now. But so. he's not playing right now. Look, I will just tell you, so on my local show... Post All Star break, I think there were like fourteen home games remaining. There's like the Lakers, Oklahoma City, there, Philly. There's a bunch of good ones, but I said that if I had like, if you could give me tickets to one game the rest of the year, and this is in Memphis, and I think this would apply to many other markets. To me, it's and and maybe it's unfair because I've seen all the other guys before, but. If I were just getting tickets as an NBA fan in any market to a game, it is Wemby, and then there is a massive gap. To I'm with everybody. you, Chris. You have got to yep. see this shit in person to believe it. Like we, to, we're on and, the same if, exact page. I and agree. so honestly, like mine would be a top two, and then everybody else. There are two times that I have gone extra early to games. This year. Uh, and it is Wemby and it is Curry. I always do it when Golden State comes in town because the warm-up is a, it, it is a sight to behold for Curry. It's a show. And he starts, it I mean, he, yeah. he literally starts shooting from half court and just making them one after another. And you just, <laughs> it's like, it's like you're at the damn circus. And even more circus-like was Showing up, and when you walk out there and you're watching Wemby warm up, you can't believe this is a real human. You can't. And then watching him in person, which you had the opportunity to do over the weekend, so this is perfect. And you said we're on the same page. To me, yep. it's Wembyama, and then it's everybody else because he is literally, in 20-something years of going to games, he is like nothing I have ever seen in my life. And I can't say that about anybody else. Nobody. But Yao Ming was like that. Yeah, when I, the first time, mm. I mean, I'm old. So the first time I saw Yao Ming, I was like, God, this is ridiculous. <laughs> um, it really was. 
He was just a massive human being. Yeah, me. So that was cool. And I remember that. But the not since Yao have I seen something where I just couldn't believe what I was watching, that this was really a human. He really is unlike any, 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 any player we have ever seen because he yeah. has the height, the, the towering size of a Yao, but he also has the fluidity and the ball handling of a, of a much smaller player, of a, of a six foot seven wing. And like just seeing him do it all on the floor is just nutty. The way the way opponents kind of just like steer their ball handling away from him as they attack the paint, they're just like, I don't want to mess with this guy. <laughs> it's just so crazy to see it all well, in person. Like he is just so big, he's gigantic, dude. Kevin, how many people on the planet are taller than him? <laughs> like you can not many, like, not like, many. I, 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 lo- I, love, I love the basketball. numbers. Yeah, and he's playing and basketball elite level, and he's awesome. Like it's it really is. If 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 they walked him out while we went to like uh, Barnum and Bailey Circus, and my and they said, "Oh, and here's the world's tallest man," my kids would be like, "Ooh, ooh," <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you <laughs> literally could be in the circus. He's that ridiculous, and then he's awesome. At basketball, he's like crossing people over and shit. It's crazy. So to me, they really, uh, that would be my one huge argument. They vastly undersold what that guy is like to see in person. It's yeah, crazy. It, it, yeah. It, I mean, the, his first quarter that he had when he had like 13 points and six minutes and he had the, this crazy block from behind on Austin Reeves where he reached across like half the paint in order to block the shot. Like that happened right in front of me because uh, I'm on, I was on that right baseline side in the media section. And like you, you saw it coming from a mile away. As soon as Austin Reeves grabbed the, the rebound off of his missed shot and then Wemby's just lurking from behind, you're like, oh, oh, oh. like you know it's coming. You know the block is yeah. coming. And it did. Uh, he, I mean, look, Wemby, Wemby's going to go down as the greatest defensive player of all time. If he stays healthy when it's all said and done, he will be the greatest defensive player of all time. He's already one of the best defensive players in the league. Uh, that's why he's, you know, going to get defensive player of the year votes. I don't think he'll win over Rudy Gobert this year. Um, but Wemby's right up there right now as the best defender in the league. And offensively, the one stat that I find fascinating with him, Chris, he is shooting over 40% on dribble jumper three-pointers. Over 40% on dribble jumper threes. some of them he shoots threes. off one leg. He shoots it like a yes. floater. He, <laughs> yes. He, he is already comfortable shooting threes off the bounce. Just wait until Wemby is at a point that he's stronger for those post-game turnarounds and pull-ups. Just wait until he becomes an efficient catch-and-shoot guy off the three, how much more that's going to make him a threat at attacking closeouts, driving the lane, fighting teammates with kickout opportunities, as amazing as he is already defensively. He is arguably already the best defender in the league today. Just wait until the offensive stuff develops. This guy is going to even move. If he's not number one on your list of must-watch players today, he soon will be number one on your most number one on players you get to watch live list because the dude is just like, it is unlike anybody we have ever seen in the entire league. No, you don't understand. 
It, it, like, you got to see it in person to believe how much bigger he is than everyone on the court. You know? He makes Anthony Davis look tiny. <laughs> I know. It's hilarious. It, look, he became the third fastest guy to have 1,000 points, <laughs> 500 rebounds, and 150 blocks. The only guys that did it faster than him were Shaq and David Robinson. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You know how, like, Jokic and Westbrook, like they're like Mr. Triple Double and all that. Like they they get him so often, like it becomes old news. That's right. That's gonna be five by fives for Wemby. He's gonna get them so often in his prime. It's like, oh, oh um, another five by five for Wemby. What's the big deal? Call me when he gets a quadruple double. That's what it's gonna be. So he became <laughs> the 15th player to ever do that. The five by five when he did it. Unbelievable. Right? All right, yeah. I have got an unbelievable bar bet for people out there that have not seen okay. this. I, I think I know. I've looked recently, so I know some of them, but, you know. No, the last probably. time it happened. Nurkic. Nurkic in 2019. Yep. Mm-hmm. And AD did it that season. Before yep. that, it was three years before those, those happened in 19, and it was Draymond. Mm-hmm. Here are the other guys that have done five by five. George Johnson, George Gervin, Dr. J, David Robinson, Derek Coleman, Vladi Divac, Andre Kirilenko, Hakeem Olajuwon, Marcus Camby, Nicholas Bethum, Draymond Green, AD, Nurkic, Wimby, and then maybe the most shocking, Jamal Tinsley. Yep, that's the most shocking one by that's far. incredible. He's got to be, it's only guard, right? I don't know George Johnson, so maybe he was, I don't know. I don't know what George Johnson was. But, and they didn't start doing, you know, 73-74 is when they started counting steals and blocks. So, you know. Yeah. I'm sure Bill Russell would tell us he'd done it 150,000 times, which well, he might be true. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of like if you ever watch those old NFL films and Deacon Jones would always be like, I had 200 sacks. Like, count them, right? He would always estimate. Myself. Yeah, he always, he always estimated that he had like 180 sacks or whatever it was. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Jamal Tinsley, shout out to you. Yeah. For the five by five at six foot tall. Yeah, for our younger listeners uh, who who are like, who's Jamal Tinsley? He was just like a point average ro- rotation guard, you know, solid. Shout out Iowa State. Yeah, solid Pacers, you know, long time point guard for them in the mid mid two thousands. Just rock solid, right? Yeah. But not yeah. five by five type of guy. No, it's cool to see him on the list. Yeah, it was cool to see him on the list. All right, Kevin, it's always a pleasure. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. And I will talk to you on Friday. Looking forward to it. Have a great week, Chris. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. In Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342. In Connecticut, call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 or visit KS. 
csgamblinghelp.com. In Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. In Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. In West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. In Wyoming, call 1-800-522-4700. Hope is here. In Massachusetts, visit gamblinghelplinema.org. I'll call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY.